Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Google is set to pay nearly $400 million to settle lawsuits with 40 states' attorneys general over location data it wasn't supposed to be collecting. Regardless of how you feel about Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter, the new Twitter non-verified blue check mark right now is creating confusion and making Twitter even less reliable. The FTX crypto exchange bankruptcy could set back cryptocurrency in general for years and usher in traditional finance-type regulation. And even though the tech winter is getting colder with all these big tech layoffs, the technology industry as a whole is still one of the best and strongest industries to get into. Got all this and more for you in episode 60 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And kind of now coming out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Uh, Wakanda Forever. Got my Wakanda jersey with a hoodie on, uh, celebrating the... Uh, weekend release of Wakanda Forever, aka Black Panther 2. I ain't gonna spoil it. Well, at the very least, not gonna spoil it on the live show. You got to come to the to the after party to hear me spoil <laughs> Wakanda Forever. But but you, those you, who watching live, you can uh, definitely check us out. <laughs> you you did go see it though, right? Yeah, I went to go see it. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, because uh-huh. it, like we will definitely talk about this at the after party, but I'm seeing a whole lot of folks is either saying they love it or saying they hate it, but they haven't actually seen it. And I'm like, well, how can you actually make a judgment? So you're saying people, people it's have said they mostly people it. who mostly, mo- mostly is people who are saying they don't like the movie, but they haven't actually seen the movie. I don't need to go see it to know why I don't like it. Those well, kind of comments. People, so people are saying they loved it and they haven't seen it as well or. Just the people who said they don't like it. It's people who it's are saying the amount of number. It's a it's a it's a it's it. a great number of people who are talking about they don't even need to see the movie to know that they don't like it. And I'm just like that is a really interesting take that you can actually make a comment on something that you know nothing about. So, but yeah, let's let's save that for the uh, for the after party because I, I want to get your take on it. Right. Anyway, um, let's go ahead. And uh, jump into some tech stories. But before we do, always want to uh, allow our listeners to know that you can support the Tech John on Patreon. We are uh, over at patreon.com forward slash the Tech John. We've got multiple tiers over there. And anyone who wants to support the show in any way, if you head over there, uh, you will get access to a bunch of things. Uh, you know, one tier has access to our to our uh, live stream and our after party. Another tier has access to uh, to ad free uh 
uh, RSS uh, feed so you don't have to listen to our ads. Um, and once again, either one of those uh, allows you to support the show, which allows us to bring this content to you. So once again, head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John if you would like to become a patron of this show. And on that note, man, I wanted to talk about a story. This one actually popped well, up. Well, before you get started, oh, go before you get started, we got, we got to make sure we address the fact there's only two of us this time. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Stephanie is out this week. So we are holding it down on her behalf. Uh, it would have been nice to have been here so we could talk about uh, Black Panther. I'm pretty sure she saw it, but we'll, maybe we'll have to. Nah, nah, we, we, I was going to say maybe we're going to wait, but uh, we love you. Nah. But at the same time, yeah, we're going to keep it pushing. So we definitely look forward to. Uh, her coming back. But, uh, yeah, until then, it's just us holding it down. It's just, board. it's just the two of us. It's just the two of us this week. But, uh, man, I was looking at a story today and, um, it's about Google. I don't know. I think we may have even talked about, uh, these lawsuits that, uh, states were bringing up, uh, a little while back. You know, it might have been in the early spring or maybe the, you know, the, the late winter earlier this year. Uh, but I read this and I read it in, Chris Tucker's voice, uh, when, you know, in my mind is how I play when it said Google has to pay nearly $400 million to settle U.S. location tracking probes. And as I said, I, you know, if you remember back in rush hour when, uh, Chris Tucker, you know, he was, he was talking to the, the, the dude that was, the, you know, holding the hostage, the hostage taker mm-hmm. and he wanted $50 million. He's like, $50 million. Literally, that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I heard in this is like, you know, did, Whose information did they get? Chelsea Clinton's. I mean, I literally, that's what I went to because like 400 million is not an insignificant amount, even for a company like Google. But according to the Michigan Attorney General's office, Google will pay $391.5 million to settle allegations by 40 states that the search and advertising giant illegally tracked users' locations. The investigation and settlement, which was led by Oregon and Nebraska, excuse me, Nebraska, is a sign of mounting legal headaches for the tech giant from the state attorneys general who have aggressively targeted the firm's user tracking practices in recent months. Basically, to make a long story longer, Google kept collecting people data even though people opted out of google collecting their data so it's like they said nah once you in you in and they kept doing it so these these states they put the kibosh on that and it's like you know they 400 million dollars like i said that's that you know that's i don't want to say insignificant money but for google but it's, it's kind of is but still that's that's a very very large settlement that they are uh you know gonna be paying this money to these states well, I'll see you a Google and raise you an Apple. I didn't put this in the show notes. You didn't have to because I, I was going to bring it up anyway. So go right on ahead. Uh, I was going to say uh, Apple just got hit with a lawsuit to where they're doing similar to same, kind of like the same thing, but through the app store. Um, basically, I'll just read the story. A new lawsuit is taken on Apple's data collection practices in the wake of a recent report by independent researchers who found that Apple was continually continuing to track consumers in its mobile apps, even when they explicitly configured their iPhone privacy settings to turn tracking off. Basically, what is happening is developers have discovered that Apple was still collecting data about its users across a number of first party apps, even when the users had turned off the iPhone analytics settings that promises to, quote unquote, disable the sharing of device analytics altogether. So it seems like uh, like if you went to the app store and you searched for apps or you downloaded apps or you did a number of things in the app store, that's what Apple was using to track you. They was tracking what you was downloading, what you searched, what you reviewed, 
what you liked and things of that nature, even though in the settings and iPhone analytics settings, and even when you set up your iPhone, it gives you the option. Do you want to share data with app uh, app store and app developers? You can turn that off. And another uh, setting when you go into the iPhone analytics settings, you can disable the sharing of device analytics altogether. But it seems like Apple was like, eh, we don't care. So as a result, they are uh, getting uh, got a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit on their end. So I guess it just to add the two stories up. It's pretty much just they don't care. We still want that data. So even though we tell you we not, so we're I'm going to figure out a, a loophole. I'm so glad. And I, I, I kind of knew. I was like, I know he's going to find something uh, about Apple to talk about this because I saw that story right after I found this one. I was thinking I was going to surprise you. Clearly, that didn't happen. But I have to ask this question right. because when I think of Google, um, it makes sense to me that Google would get caught doing these things um, because Google. Here, here's the thing. These services from a Google standpoint, they're free. Mm-hmm. They make their money by you being their product. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, they're tracking you because they want to sell you better ads. They want to know more about you so that they can make those ads more effective. They want to make sure that the ads pop up in the right place. That's what their business model is. Mm-hmm. Why is Apple doing this? Because Apple, because go ahead, because that's what Apple wants to do in the app store, because Apple is about to turn on ads in the app store. So when you open the app store, they want to know what you like, what you don't like, what you download, what you don't download, how long you stay on the apps page so they can say, oh, we can tell advertisers that, hey, this general person, I'm pretty sure they're not, they don't have actual data. So they know it's not me personally. The data is anonymized. If I said that correctly, <laughs> anonymized. Yeah, I think I said it right. But at the very least, they can package that up and sell it to advertisers to say, yo, this person in this demographic is downloading, viewing, checking out these apps. You may want this information so you can uh, put ads up in the app store. So it's almost like Apple's taking Google's search engine playbook and putting that in the app store. I have been listening to you talk about Apple since what what year did the iPhone come out? Um, Was that 07 or was that 09? It's been a minute. Uh, Oh, uh yes, 07 is 07. when it came out. I so, didn't get an iPhone until Verizon carried because it was a big hubbub back in the, back then. The AT and T was exclusive for the mm-hmm. iPhone, and then you know the him hauled around, him hauled around. Verizon finally got it, and that's when I got an iPhone. So, so that, that was back in two thousand nine. Yep. So I, I I couldn't remember if it was the beginning or oh nine, but since oh nine, you have basically been a huge fan of Apple devices. You have another podcast called Snob OS to where you actually freely admit how you feel about Apple products uh, in the name, in the title of the show. What I have never heard you do is Apple is better for any reason other than you just like it. It has never been um, it's better because Apple does this and Google doesn't do that or Microsoft doesn't do this. I, I, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm trying to give you some flowers. I've never really heard you be that guy as much as into Apple as you are to where Apple is just better because it is Apple and and, and they've done this. So I know that there are a lot of people and, I, and I've you know, other I used to be this way with Blackberry. But other other than that, since, since that company imploded. I have tried to say, you know, these are just tech companies and their goal is to make as much money as possible. So 
Yes, Apple doesn't do any of these things, and it looks really good right now until they change their position. So you have to be really careful if you're going to be if you're going to be a stan or a fanboy on these on these platforms of well, Apple would never you know get my data and do anything with it. And it's like, hey, yeah, I don't know that that's really true because they just decided recently that they want to get your data and do something with it. So I, you know, so that that's the kind of the angle that I wanted to, you know take with uh, this particular uh, you know story because. Uh, like, like I said, I, you know, this, I'm not giving Google any pass, but to hear that Google is, oh, they get this, you know, this location data and you can opt out of it, but they're still getting it. Doesn't shock me. <laughs> I've seen I've seen companies do way worse than that. I'm not excusing it. I, you know, I want to be very clear. I'm not excusing it. I wouldn't be upset if Google had was on the hook for more than four hundred million dollars. But mm-hmm. I just you know, I just have to juxtapose that that is different. This This is something different now for Apple. And I think the only reason that it's different is because Apple just hasn't done it before. It's just like they've just now decided that, you know, th- here's a business decision we want to make more money. Can we make more money by doing this in the uh, in the app store? I think the answer is yes. Let's go ahead and try it. And Apple thinks they're slick in the way they get. Well, let me not assume Apple's playbook. But my guess is since the data is anonymized and it's in the app store. It's not on the phone as a whole. You know, they mentioned in the story that I, um, I'll make, we'll make sure to add this to the show notes so you can get the link. They mentioned that health data, you know, any other sort of data that, you know, Apple prides itself on being private is still, you know, anonymized and they not, they're not sharing or using that data, any health data to serve up ads or anything like that. It's just specifically in the app store and this that's how they're kind of getting around skating around the idea that they're collecting your data well they're just collecting trends and they're uh taking like general clicks and things of that nature for now anyway like i said like you mentioned you made it made a good point uh can we make more money yes are we going to do that also yes <laughs> yeah I, I i could be making this up but i'm pretty sure that most companies that make over a billion dollars a year have a executive position called C. Uh, what is that? Chief, uh, chief loophole finder. So what is that? Uh, that's, that's called general counsel. CLF, <laughs> chief loophole finder. They, there is somebody who has paid a lot of money to figure out how can we get around things that we need to get around. That's just what they do. And they're, like you said, general counsel are very highly paid at these organizations. Mm-hmm. Some of the, some of the highest paid, you know, people in those companies outside of the other executives, uh, you know, that, that, that are running those teams. So yeah, this one, this one was, like I said, it was like something that I just saw today. Um, but I was like, huh, $400 million for, for Google. Looks like Apple might be on the hook for some of this as well. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to keep watching this and see how it goes. Yep. So. This next story, we, we talked about this a little bit last week um, to where, you know, there's a lot going on with Apple uh, or with Apple, with uh, Twitter. And we don't want to just talk about Twitter, Twitter, Twitter all the time. But there are news stories for this, you know, very large acquisition that has just happened. So my, my gut tells me and, you know, Terrence, you and I, we can discuss this. But my gut tells me that the majority of Twitter users either aren't aware or just don't care all that much about all the Elon Musk stuff that's going on. Um, you know, if, if they're not a, I am in the, uh, whatever Elon does is a great camp or they are in the, whatever Elon does, I'm against camp. 
people really just aren't paying that kind of attention. They're probably using Twitter the same way they were using it, you know, two Fridays ago before, before Twitter was acquired. So I say that to say this, uh, you know, Twitter did fundamentally change last week. Um, it's important that we mentioned that going on with the, uh, you know, the, you know, the ongoings with the blue check mark, uh, you know, the, the blue check mark that, you know, is used to indicate whether or not someone is actually, uh, a verified person or not. That, that used to be a thing. People would get these blue check marks and I would verify that they, who, you know, they are who they said they were or they're an entity that is who they say they are. Um, but that changed last week. Uh, you know, with the, the launch of, uh, the new Twitter blue, the new $8 service that, uh, Elon launched, you know, it was one of the things he said he wanted done almost immediately when he came into the company and, uh, and they did it. But the problem, um, he didn't think this was going to be a problem, but the problem that they're faced with right now is that there are scammers and spammers and parody accounts and everyone else who's out there making these fake accounts with these blue check marks. And they're going viral because it's fooling folks. Um, the, the biggest, the biggest name that I can think of was probably LeBron James last week, where there's a fake LeBron James account. I think it's King James with a Z instead of an S that, uh, came out and said that he wants to be traded to, uh, back to Cleveland. And it was written in the tone that LeBron James posts on Twitter. It was very believable. So unless you actually went and dug into the account and looked at it, and so, oh, wait a minute, this, is, this doesn't have nearly enough followers. And, oh, there's a Z at the end of it and not an S at the end of it. Unless you did that kind of due diligence, it's like, oh, wow, this is something that you might have just hit the retweet button or you put a comment on it without realizing that it wasn't really LeBron James. Um, that's problematic, in my opinion, for Twitter. Uh, you know, he wasn't the only one. Adam, you know, the first one I saw was actually fake Adam Schefter, uh, you know, had, you know, um, you know, same thing happened to him. He put out some news that actually wasn't news and they had to actually go back and say, no, this really didn't come from, you know, our verified account. This came from this fake, you know, Twitter blue account. So I wanted to get your take on, you know, what are your thoughts around this whole new Twitter blue? It, there, there's more features to it than just the blue check mark. But my gut tells me most people who are getting it are getting it for if I can get verified for eight dollars a month without actually being verified. Um, that's cool. Or maybe if you're a nefarious person, I can wreak havoc. What say you? Um, I think this is going to be more of a problem for. Elon Musk's Twitter. More so than people actually following and or retweeting and or believing anything they see on the internet. Now I know people, there are people who believe anything they see on the internet, but with Twitter, like let's take the King James thing, for example, right? LeBron James is a polarizing person in general. People either love him or people hate him. It don't matter what is said as a, I've seen people talking about something even closely related to basketball and somebody will figure out a way to bring in LeBron, bring in LeBron James and talk about how he is either the greatest basketball player of all time or he's never going to compare to Kobe and, and, uh, Michael Jordan, right? So I say all that to say, um, it don't matter if it doesn't matter to users that there are people impersonating other player, uh, other people on Twitter, because it doesn't matter if they personate them or not. 
people are they're just pro they're people who the people who are quote unquote faking these accounts, they're picking these people because they know it's going to get conversation. But I don't think it's going to force people to actually do or compel them to act in a certain way because people just like to talk. Now, what I what I think is going to happen is this is going to cause chaos for how Twitter works. And it's going I think people are using this to disrupt Twitter to maybe scare or force or compel Elon Musk to do something different. By saying, look, all right, you, you put out this new thing where people can get verif- verified with just as little as eight dollars. Uh, let me wreck this <laughs> because mm-hmm. what do people like to do? Wreck things. So how can I wreck something? Pick up a, a popular or polarizing per- person and see if I can get some run with this to where it forces Twitter to rethink. And that's what I think more people are doing. I think they're using this more so to kind of wreck or disrupt Twitter more so than trying to get people or compel them to do or say something because they think they're following a real account. So I I think one of the reasons that Elon Musk wanted to, uh, you know, push out this uh, new Twitter blue with the speed that he pushed it out was because he is really generally concerned about the number of fake accounts, the number of bots that are on that platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- this was, you know, bots was his reason for trying to pull out of the deal in the first place. Um, and I-, I think that, you know, in his mind is that, okay, well, if I am making people pay $8 a month, then, then you know, the, the fake people are not going to have unlimited credit cards. Uh, they're not going to have unlimited money to just keep creating accounts over and over again to, you know, to, to just, you know, troll people and, you know, put out fake news and this and that and the other. Um, I'm not making that up. This is what he has actually said. I'm paraphrasing, but th- this is what he actually has said. Uh, you know, he wants Twitter blue to combat. I think he's severely miss, uh, you know, you know, miss, you know, he missed, he didn't understand. Um, he underestimated the ability for somebody to say $8 a month to potentially fake earth into thinking I'm LeBron James. Mm-hmm. That's worth it. Um, because that went viral and it wasn't just like 50, 60 people, um, you know, reposted that there were hundreds of thousands of people, uh, you know, where this news came out, you and I have seen all kinds of websites where a lot of times it'll be a news article, but the news article actually has the tweet embedded in the news article that they're pulling the information from that was happening with a fake account. Um, and, and again, I think that is to disrupt Twitter, not necessarily to mm-hmm. get some rocks off. I think it was purposely designed. It's like, all right, we, we're going to. We're going to try to disrupt what this whole blue check thing is. Let me see if I can get some some push out of this to prove the point that mm. this new process or this new thing, this new setting, this new feature is whack. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, or you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the case is because we haven't heard about all the accounts. You know, have, have they find every have they found every single Twitter blue account that's fake at this point? Um, probably not. Uh, I, I fully expect that we're going to hear about a fake account that actually was sending somebody to a link and they were making money off of folks nefariously. I, I fully That's, expect that to happen. Um, scammers born every minute. Yeah. I, I fully <laughs> expect that to happen. And my perspective on this is that I understand what you were trying to do, but I think that two things are happening. Num- number one, you're not, you know, rectifying the problem that you were trying to rectify. And two, you have created a problem that is probably just as, you know, you know, just as bad as the problem you were trying to fix. 
because like I said, if it, you know, th- there's with the number of people who retweeted that thing out. If that would have sent you to a link somewhere to where you could, you know, um, send, you know, send three dollars here, do, do, do this or do that. I'm not saying that they would have made millions of dollars, but they would have made dollars that, 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 and that's the whole point because you thought it was LeBron James. I'm sitting here and being honest with you. I see LeBron James tweets come up all the time. Um, and I just assume that they are him because it's a picture of him. It's his, uh, you know, it's his name, um, that I know is his name and it's got that, you know, that blue check mark. I, you know, I used to just assume that that was a LeBron James. Now I wasn't going to spend money off of his tweets, but I did assume the things that LeBron James was saying were the things that were Le- LeBron James was saying. You can no longer make that assumption. Um, as of last week. Yeah, that's true. And that's to true. me, that actually really hurts Twitter. To me, when, you know, because it's not just, I mean, you know, we think, well, there's just, you know, people who are out there trolling folks and then there's us on there. We just, you know, lightly get on there and, you know, are amused by, you know, another social media platform. But there are journalists and there are, there are people out there, um, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing that you built your business on someone else's land. Um, you know, you know, that, that's, you know, maybe a topic for a different show, but there are folks out there who, because they have that Twitter verification and because of the news that they put out, they are a known source and they are basically dancing right now trying to figure out how do I make sure that I don't Do get spoofed that, you know, you know that this is me putting this stuff out there because I, you know, I remember watching a, uh, and this, this is, this, I'm going to go on a real tangent here. It was a law and order, uh, special victims unit, uh, episode. It was like the start of like the season of 2020 or something like that. And basically the way it started off was a Karen, filming a a bra in the park. She said that he was harassing them and this and that and the other. Long story short, they found a dead, not, not a dead body, a very injured body near and around where this Karen was going off on this dude. The dude had nothing to do with it, but the fact that he was pulled into it, he ended up losing his job, even though they had to come back and say he is completely innocent of everything that we thought he might have done. It was just the fact that he was just pulled into it. And I say that to say this. I think that there are people who are really worried about someone can use their account for nefarious reasons. And even if it is borne out that it was a fake account, the people who got got are not going to trust <laughs> that person any longer, regardless of whether or not it was really them or, you know, or it wasn't really them. You're just going to, you know what, just to be safe. I'm not going to deal with it. If you remember the story I told about when I went to a uh, Jiho, I was that last week or week before last. Um, when, and I saw a woman who was actually, uh, buying a whole table's worth of, uh, swag, uh, at the football game. And she didn't want to use her phone to pay with on someone else's phone. She just didn't trust it. She wanted to go somewhere else. I guarantee you, if she would have done that and would have got burned by it, she would have never, ever tried to do something like that again. She wasn't even willing to do it there. So I'm just thinking that, you know, these, these blue check marks, uh, regardless of whether people should have been believing them or not, people believe that, you know, because, you know, folks did go through verification to get them. They believe that those folks or those entities were who they said they were. And now I just don't think that you can use Twitter in that same way. And regardless of whether you are for the Elon stuff or against the Elon stuff, just looking at it from a pure Twitter standpoint, Twitter is different as of last Wednesday than it was before last Wednesday because you can't trust those blue check marks any longer. Well, I hope people are paying attention because ultimately <laughs> the onus, if you get scammed, yeah, you can have some retribution. You can try to, you know, um, shun off, you know, uh, whatever the case may be. But ultimately you got to be like, yeah, I ate, I got to eat that one. <laughs> 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Terrence, you put in the notes um, some links to what dominated the news last week. I think I think this FTX stuff started around Tuesday last week. And literally it was like the top news, uh, you know, as far as finance and tech <laughs> all last week. And even today, we're still making some noise. But uh, FTX, you know, uh, it, it's, com- it's a complete meltdown. Um, they, they just fired their CEO or the CEO stepped down or however you want to look at it. I think that when you, when you were CEO and you didn't want to not be CEO anymore, that's stepping down. When you were CEO and stuff goes on and then you're no longer CEO, to me, that's like you got fired. Or let me figure out how I can keep as much money as possible or get off this shit before it completely sinks. You can step down that way, which is what I think old boy did. So I, again, I will be perfectly honest. I don't understand. Everything that's going on, but from what I can surmise, uh, FTX was a, a crypto trading platform. Uh, FTX, the person who was the CEO, this guy named Sam Bankman, Bankman Fried, he was using, and this is like the super 30,000 feet breakdown that I've gotten so far is in addition to running this FTX crypto trading platform, he also had his their own cryptocurrency and people, regular people like you and me that were investing in this cryptocurrency. He was using this money, leveraging this money as collateral for making some trades on his own or you know, uh, he had another company called Alameda or something like that. That was the group that was actually using this cryptocurrency money that people were investing in this fake, not fake. I don't want to say fake this crypto that he created and he was leveraging that to use that as collateral to do some other stuff. Mm-hmm. The other stuff flopped, other stuff failed. And as a, as a result, People started trying to request their money out of this crypto and out and move their money out of FTX. And since he was using the money as collateral and didn't have the actual money, they couldn't give people's money back one for one. Because, you know, when you're uh, like a Coinbase or when you're like a a Crypto.com or a Kraken or some of these other ones, if people want their money back, they should be able to get their money back. And if you ain't got the money in there because you was using their money to do something else, Everything tanked. Uh, mm. Now they got to file for bankruptcy because they just don't have the money to give people their money back. The stock market tanked, all that other stuff, not the stock market, but the value, yeah. uh, everything tanked. And now, again, like I said, either, like you said, either for 
uh, getting fired because you messed some stuff up or let me get off this sink before, let me get off this ship before it sinks all the way and I lose all the little money that I weaseled out of people. He's decided to step down as CEO. Yeah. I'm wondering if, uh, he's going to ultimately <laughs> have to worry about whether he's going to end up going to prison or not. Because right. it, I think you summed it up very well. What he did was people bought, um, his cryptocurrency. They spent mm-hmm. actual money on his crypto or traded actual other crypto mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. his particular token, uh, that, that he, his company supports. He then took that money mm-hmm. and used it as leverage for investments that he made other places. Mm-hmm. Stock market, stock market, the crypto market goes down. People are trying to cash out. They want their money. But they can't because their money is locked up in investments that he's got going on otherwhere, you know, other places. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's going, his company is not going bankrupt. So I actually went and looked. I wanted to see what are the biggest bankruptcies, uh, you know, um, in, in the history Enron of the United States. It's the one I can think of. Well, no. So Enron is, is on the list of, uh, you know, of like top 10, but number one is Lehman Brothers. Lehman Brothers was almost $700 billion. Yeah, that was the bailout in 2008, 2009. Exactly. Uh, Washington Mutual, same time frame, 327.91 billion. Um, then you go all the way back to the beginning of, you know, of this century, WorldCom, that was a big tech one. WorldCom went under. Um, that was 82 billion. Um, Citigroup, 71 billion. Pacific Gas, that was actually recent. That was just, uh, right before the pandemic started, uh, at, uh, Pacific, uh, was 71 billion. Enron is right there at 65. Uh, Kinesco, uh, you know, GM, Chrysler, th- these are like the biggest of the big. This is sitting at 50 billion. You know, that, that's what they think, but you know, um, $50 billion, uh, is the, the levels that puts it in the top 10 of all bankruptcies of all time in the United States. So the reason why I put this in there is because I wanted to ask you the question and you actually added to it that they are the top 10 of all time now. What does this do for cryptocurrency as a whole? Is this just a, oh, it is what it is. Companies make money, companies lose money. Or are people who were already kind of skittish about it or what, or on the fence or wasn't sure? What does this do for their confidence in investing in or adopting crypto? Does this hurt it or this is no big deal? It's just how businesses go and sometimes they mess up. No, this is a big deal. When you, when you talk about, um, this bankruptcy is, I mean, think about this Chrysler. How, how big of it? Maybe not today, but back in the day, how big of a name was Chrysler? I mean, there was Ford, there's GM, there's Chrysler. Chrysler's bankruptcy is only 39.3 billion. This is 50 billion. This is a bigger bankruptcy than Chrysler. And I know that, you know, folks are going to, you know, who are financial analysts, I am not one. I know you can get into the number, you know, the numbers and, you know, what is real number, real numbers, you know, what's derived money, all that kind of, I know, I know that those are things that you can say, but according to this chart, this is a top 10 bankruptcy in the United States. I think this adversely affects uh, cryptocurrency going forward in a huge, huge way. And the markets are bearing this out. Um, you saw Binance, who is a, you know, a, a ginormous exchange. They were trying to figure out things they could do to help 
you know, potentially bail <laughs> this company out because they know how bad this would be. And they're like, nah, dog, uh, that's going to be a no for me. I mean, essentially they're saying it's so bad. They looked at this company's financials. It's like, no, it's so bad. We can't touch that. We're, we're, we're not going to help you. Um, I think this is going to be a run on the market because if you think about it, um, People haven't really been trusting crypto for the better part of this year because it's going down. People were trusting and they were believing in it because it was going up all the way up really until like, you know, September, October, November time frame is when things started to kind of change last year. But even through, you know, um, you know, February, March of this year, people were really believing in it because, oh, it looks like this is just going up and it's like I can invest here and it's going to be infinite money. Um, what was, uh, you know, just Bitcoin? It was up to. Uh, 60-something thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, is down to what, 16, 17,000 today? I, didn't, I haven't looked, you know, right before the show, but I mean, it is, it has lost 75% of its value. And folks are saying it's going down to 10. Now, I will say this, uh, where it is sitting right now, and Jim Cramer, who I don't really, I don't, I'm not a stand for that dude. I don't recommend anybody go get your financial advice from Jim Cramer. If you, if you like, if you like him as a TV host and he's entertaining to you, then listen to him. But just, just be warned that dude is, he's wrong a lot. He's wrong an awful lot on a lot of things. And his co-host stay be having to dig him out of holes. <laughs> stay be doing it. It's like they literally have life jackets and, you know, and life preservers just right there at the desk so they can throw it to him to get him out of the deep water with the sharks. Um, but he did make a, you know, a, you know, a, a good point. And I will say this it's like bro clocks are right twice a day. He did make a good point in a video that I saw earlier today to where it's like, look, um, you, you're talking about giving real money to this thing that isn't real money, but acts like real money, but doesn't act like real money. Um, if I were you, I just wouldn't do it. That that's, that's his stance. Like I said, I'm not co-signing what he says, but as someone who has invested heavily into uh crypto, things are different today than they were before. Um, I have seen crypto go up. I've seen it come down multiple times. Um, it has never been a 60, you know, you know, 60,000 plus income down that that's, you know, this is the first time that's happened. And I don't see it getting back up there for any time in the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, it's foreseeable, like in the next six months, the next 10 months, will we get back up to 60 as quickly as we came down from it? I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to be years away from getting, you know, from getting there. So unless you are playing the extremely long game, um, I think you've got to be careful. And just to get around to the question that you asked me, will this affect or how will this affect? I think it's adverse for everything. I think that, uh, you know, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, adverse effect for, uh, for Bitcoin. It's going to be an adverse effect for Ethereum. I know Ethereum right now, they're like, we just, we just went to 2.0. It's like, we, we just coming out the gate with our new stuff. And now this is what we got to contend with. I literally believe that the executives over there, that's kind of how they're thinking about right now because, would you be willing to put your money into this ridiculously volatile stuff that is very easy to play around with other people's money? I mean, you know, they, they changed laws uh, when Lehman Brothers, you know, went out of business. Um, those laws really don't affect these uh, these companies. And that's kind of the allure to, uh, you know, you know, to crypto. There is no, you know, FDIC insurance. You don't you don't get your money back because they made a bad investment. That doesn't, doesn't work like, like that. Not yet. Now, of course, not with FDIC insured, but like I put in the in the comments, uh, 
regulation is coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. I strongly believe that somebody's going to step in and be like, all right, we're going to do something. Now it ain't going to be uh, c- completely under our control, but something's going to happen as a result of something like this. You know, uh, specifically you mentioned, um, Ethereum, you know, getting blowback as, as it relates to this. I put in the story notes about crypto.com CEO had to do a, a ask, ask me anything type of town mm-hmm. hall to kind of smooth people over to where he says, you know, we'll, we never engage as a company in any irresponsible lending practices. We never took any third party risks. You know, he, the fact that he has mm-hmm. to go on and kind of, uh, reassure people who are fans of crypto.com because crypto.com kind of sick came out around the same time as FTX. They were kind of doing the same mm-hmm. things. You think of um uh FTX buying naming rights to Miami Heat's arena. Crypto.com mm-hmm. bought yeah. the naming rights to the Warriors um uh arena that no, the, no, no, the, uh, the Lakers built. The Lakers, the Lakers. Sorry, yeah the, the, the spectrum the is Lakers. now the uh crypto, crypto. It's called the crypt. Okay. Yeah it's the nickname for yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um you know FTX had um uh, Stephen Curry, that's the Warriors thing I was thinking about. Stephen Curry and, and, um, what's your boy? Uh, Tom Brady. Crypto.com had, um, um, what's his name? Um, what's the guy? Jason Bourne. In the, yes, Jason Bourne. I cannot think of his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had Jason Bourne. You know, so all that to say, they kind of came around at the same time. We're kind of doing the same things, riding the same waves. And then when FTX got hit, you know, crypto.com had to come out and say, Hey, we ain't, that ain't them. That ain't us. That's them over there. You mentioned, you know, uh, like I said, you mentioned, um, Ethereum having smooth people over. So with the, just the blowback from those, I think is going to make a ripple into, um, other people having some issues to where they may want or may entertain the idea of what does, what does cryptocurrency regulation even look at, look like? And the fact that people are asking those questions may lead to other questions, may lead to other things. And then before you know it, we've got some sort of regulatory something down there, you know, but ultimately, and I'll let you let me one one more thing. I'll let you. I think ultimately what's going to um, make crypto less volatile to where some of these things that happen won't affect, won't adversely affect crypto is if Crypto can quickly identify a use case that people can wrap their heads around. We they understand that there's some sort of blockchain, but really don't people don't know what blockchain is. But they, there needs to be something to where people say, "Oh, I can use crypto for that." You know, the art and the NFTs. We ain't even talking about that anymore, right? There needs to be mm-hmm. like a, a a use case to where people can wrap their heads around to where when news like this comes out. It doesn't like like adversely affect everybody involved. It's still kind of like, all right, you know, like you mentioned, um, Chrysler went out a bit, uh, not Chrysler. They bailed out all GM, all these Ford, all these companies got bailed out back in 2008, 2009. But people still understand the use case of cars. Yes. So they're like, this sucks, but I need a car. So I'll just go to Toyota or Hyundai or Kia or whatever the case may be with crypto is kind of like, what is that use case to where if something happens? People are like, yeah, that sucks. But pizza, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, you ripped the words literally out of my mouth. I was going to go back okay. and use that, uh, that Chrysler okay. example. Chrysler goes bankrupt and it really sucks for Chrysler. Um, and for people who are invested in Chrysler, 
but people still understand what cars are for. People mm-hmm. didn't understand crypto before all of this stuff happened. The reason people were getting into it is because they were hearing, Hey man, you can buy this, uh, go, go right on. To, and we've talked about it. You can go right over here on Robinhood.com. You can go right over here on your cash app, cash app. and you can buy this thing. It's like, man, you, you buy it. It might double in the next, you know, a couple months. And that's what people were doing. They didn't really understand what it was. But that's what they were doing. And now this comes out. And like I said, $50 billion. I mean, it, it is one of the biggest bankruptcies in U.S. history, potentially, when, you know, when this thing gets said and done. Um, nah, I really ain't understand that stuff before that. I don't, you know, I know this. If I put my money in the bank and something happens at the bank, I can go to another bank and get my money. Um, that's what people know. And they don't know that about crypto. And because of that, like I said, all of these other, uh, you know, exchanges, all of these other companies that are doing this, they're sitting back. They, they literally want to take what, what's this guy's name? Um, the CEO um, that just got uh, fired. Yeah. Bankman fried. Uh, let me go look. Let me go back and get the, the story. Um, his name is Kevin Bankman fried. Did I say that something right? like that? Um, they want to take him out back and okay. move some furniture. They, I, I, Sam, Sam Bankman fried. I'm pretty sure. He's hid some money in the Cayman Islands and is trying to figure out how to get that money. And that's why they don't want him to go yeah. nowhere. They're like, nah, bro, we <laughs> sit tight till we figure out what we're going to do with you, dog. Well, he's got like hundreds of millions of dollars tied up in like some, um, condominiums in the Bahamas or something like that. I mean, it's like they've got stuff everywhere. They're trying to figure out, uh, you know, where his assets are. And it's like, it's, it's, it's just real sketchy, man. It's like, um, um, we haven't talked about crypto on this show for a while. Why? Because it's kind of fallen out of the news and we, we kind of talk about what, you know, what's hot on the news. And we've had some of our biggest shows have actually been, we've had somebody to come on and explain, uh, much better than you or I can what crypto is, what a NFT is, all that kind of good stuff. And those are very, very popular shows. But the reason we haven't done them in a while, because this stuff has been tanking and it's kind of toxic right now. And, uh, like I said, this, you know, this FTX thing, it is not, is nowhere near being done. And it is going to be a drag on the entire cryptocurrency, uh, you know, um, you know, yeah. genre, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm looking for a word right now, but all things that are crypto, this is not going to help them at all. Nope, absolutely. So, um, one of the stories that, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, talk about here, uh, we, we've kind of been talking about it for a while and I just asked a question, you know, you know, about, you know, tech one, you know, winter, is it getting colder? Uh, because we have just heard, uh, I believe it was last Wednesday, Mark Zuckerberg announced that Meta is laying off about 13% of his workforce. That's more than 11,000 employees. Amazon, um, as of today, has reportedly, uh, they're laying off, uh, let's see, 10,000 corporate employees as early as this week. Um, those cuts will focus on Amazon's devices organization, including voice assistants like Alexa, as well as his retail division and its human resources. So we're talking about tens of thousands of employees there. And we keep hearing all of these big, t- you know, uh, big tech companies. Now everyone in FANG. So you've got Facebook, Apple, Netflix, uh, uh, you know, uh, Google. They have all done massive layoffs of, of a lot of people. So you know, there's a new name. There's a new name for FANG. It's called, I'm about to look it up. I saw that on watching CNBC one day. I was like, what? <laughs> Instead of it being FANG, 
it's something else. Uh, I had to look it up. Uh, that, that was just a side note. So I'll let you continue. Anyway, the, the <laughs> point I was just making is that tech, these big tech companies, they're, they're in a reset, you know, moment. They, they, you know, fortunately for them through the pandemic, they didn't have the struggles that a lot of other companies had. They were still able to grow. They were still, you know, they were still positive in a lot of things they were doing, um, simply because a lot, they were very effectively able to get people to do their job from their house. Um, and, you know, and then because of people are at home and their captive audiences, a lot of things that these companies make or produce, people were actually trying to get more of it because that's an escape for them to be outside of their four walls. Um, I forget what it was. Mama. <laughs> that sounds so stupid. It's called Mama. It stands for Meta, which used to be Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Alphabet, which used to be Google. So okay. the the Fang, uh, the F was Facebook, the G was Google. Since they changed their names to Meta and Alphabet, it's now Mama. <laughs> Dang, it's like I feel bad for Netflix. They don't they don't follow back so far. They got kicked out. But uh, yeah. but anyway, all of these big companies. I mean, we we keep hearing it over. And over again um, about, you know, all of these layoffs. And and let me just say this. I I always try to preface this. You know, I'm talking about people's jobs. We're talking about people's jobs and I feel for them. Uh, You know, I'm not trying to be dismissive of people who literally right before the holidays. It's hard to believe, man, that Thanksgiving is next week. Uh, (laughs) It is literally next week. It's hard to believe that we're that close to the holidays. So I'm very, uh, you know, I have, you know, tons of sympathy for the folks who are going through what they're going through. But all of this being said, you know, I asked the question, is is tech still with all these layoffs a good industry to get into? And I'm going to let you give your answer, but I'll just I'll just, you know, I want to you know tell you what mine is right now. I, I, mine is a resounding yes. It is still a good area to get into. And I'll explain more. But I want to hear your take on that. Well, it, yes, it is. But um, I want to go back to what you said, what to the topic as to this winter. um this tech winter, in my opinion, I think companies don't want to be that lonely island when they announce their layoffs, eventually announce their layoffs due to if we're in a recession or preparing for a recession or whatever the case may be. For whatever reason, they're going to do it, right? And we kind of know they're going to do it. But no one company wants to be in the middle of nowhere by themselves announcing that they're laying off X, Y, and Z or hiring freezing or restructuring or whatever the case may be. So what these companies have figured out is, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to all announce these layoffs together so people can just talk about the why as to why they're laying off, not the who, because right now it's everybody's doing it. Facebook, you know, all these companies that you mentioned, but imagine if it was just Facebook that announced that they're laying off 10,000 employees. We were, we will all jump on Facebook's back or meta for, for lack of a better term. Well, not for lack of a better term. That is the better term meta, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all going to jump on meta and say, Oh, see meta. They, uh, all they care about is profits and all they're going to do is lay off people to make sure their bottom line goods looks good. But if we're talking about meta and Amazon and so-and-so and this, that, and the third, people are almost like, Oh man, you know, what's happening in the industry? You know, we could, they're, they're taking kind of like the heat 
off of the individual companies. So all these companies have decided, all right, well, now's the time. If we're going to lay people off, if we're going to restructure, if we're going to do anything that may adversely affect the stock price or may adversely affect people's uh, thoughts on the company, let's do it right now while them other jokers are doing it. So everybody takes the heat, not just one of us. That's just my personal opinion. I want to do my best Stephanie Humphrey impersonation where she would put her finger up next to her nose and and actually say, there is no doubt in her mind, maybe with an expletive or two, that uh, that these companies have all decided that if we can do this better than Twitter did it, we ain't got to take that kind of heat. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and do what we probably should have been doing slowly over a long period of time. But because we didn't want that stock price to fall, we haven't had the opportunity to do it. So my, my gut tells me she would say something, you know, about that. Just basically co-signing what you've just said that a lot of companies, okay, well, this company went, now I can go. This company went, now I can go. No one wants to be first. No one wants to be last. So let's, Nobody let's get it all alone. Either. Yeah. And yeah. No one wants to be alone. It's like, you know, <laughs> you, if you fail, <laughs> you get busy people. You know, there's a sales thing. You know, when you, when you're losing a sales deal, you, you pull everybody into that. So you don't lose it by yourself. Um, and that's kind of what's happening here. Now, that being said, I do believe that we need to have a reset. Uh, these companies have been growing madly. I mean, they, they've been growing rampantly, um, since the last tech downturn. So, you know, so we're, we're, we're over a decade out from that. It's, it's been a minute since these companies, uh, you know, have had, you know, um, you know, the, these type of layoffs. In some cases, they've never had them. I think, you know, Amazon has never done, um, you know, one is the, is what they're doing right now. So I don't think all of it is just, oh, well, because Microsoft did it and, or because Netflix did it or because this company did it, we're going to do it. But I do think that those other companies going first gave them cover to where we're not talking about them as you said, in the same light that, you know, we're talking about Twitter just because Twitter apparently did there so poorly. So, um, you know, to get back to the, you know, the question that I, you know, that I asked, uh, should you still be looking at tech as if you're trying to make a career move or, or something to that effect? And I say, absolutely. Um, and I even went and put some numbers in here. So let's see here. Demand for tech talent continues to grow with the number of job postings growing 45% since the beginning of the year, increasing 52% compared to the first half of 2021. We're still in 2022. And yes, we did have down numbers, uh, you know, last month we had down numbers in, um, I believe June. Um, as far as tech numbers, and we clearly are going to have them for September, um, in this month, you know, when they get all counted because of all these layoffs. But overall, the industry is still growing. And here's the other thing, you know, we, we are talking about these tech giants. We're talking about the Microsofts and the Amazons. I mean, Amazon has over a million employees. I mean, it's a ginormous worldwide company, but in the grand scheme of things, when you look at all, if you were to add up all of those jobs, that they have. And then you were looking at like all of the, you know, the medium sized businesses and smaller, uh, the number of jobs that they have. I don't want to say it's a rounding error, but there are way more small companies hiring people in tech that are not doing these layoffs right now than there are big ones laying folks off. So the other question is, well, because of all these layoffs and a lot of them are not because, you know, it was just bad employees. It's just because we have to, you know, cut to a certain, you know, um, number, um, are you going to be flooded right now with a lot of people looking for other jobs? Yes. Yes, you are. Uh, there's going to be a lot of folks who are looking right now because they've just lost their employment and they've got to go try to find something else. There are still more opportunities available for people moving into tech 
even with all these folks who are now looking for new jobs, then there are a total number of people that are capable of filling them. So I'm still a stand for tech. If, if you're looking for a career to get into, tech is definitely where you want to go. Um, the genie is out of the bottle. Companies are not going to start, you know, they're, they're not going to start, you know, stop using big data. They're not going to stop using AI. They're not going to stop building robots. They're not going to stop doing all these things that require people who can actually think with a technical mind and analytical mind and code here or do marketing for, uh, you know, um, you know, technical companies there or, you know, do HR for technical companies, you know, you know, over here. That stuff isn't going away. Um, it may have gone away at Microsoft. It may have gone away at Netflix. It may have gone away at, uh, Amazon. But when you look at the industry as a whole, there are still way more jobs and there are people to fill them. So I'm still a stand for if, you know, I think this is still one of the hottest industries to get into if you're looking to make a career change. Now I'm going to do my, uh, best Stephanie Humphreys impression and say, however, <laughs> um, Companies, people are recognized. Well, let me not say company. People are recognizing and people should recognize you should not hang your hat on just one company because these companies do not have any love for you. When the time comes and they need to balance their books and they need to evolve. And this, you know, uh, Saray says, where's her uh, comment? The cycle of, um, uh, technology and evolution and things like that. Um, that's going to happen with or without you. So yes, definitely get into technology, but it cannot be a, Oh, I'm going to retire from this company and Oh, I'm set for life. So I'm going to invest all my stock options and I'm going to take all my incentives and reinvest it back into the company. Yes. You can get into tech and work for these big companies and maybe find, you know, your ideal job or. <clears throat> ideal position or ideal team with a particular company, but do not to go into uh, any company, not just since we're just talking about tech, but in general, you know, the company loyalty on the company side is in my opinion, gone. Mm -hmm. So as you, as an employee, you almost need to go into a company tech or whatever, as you look at yourself, as you are a contractor, even though you're, fully employed by this company you getting you're not w2 you know um but you need to go into it like hey i am a data analyst specialist i am a cybersecurity specialist this company right now is contracting me to because of my skills but a lot of people go into these companies like oh i'm a facebook employee or mm-hmm. i'm a meta employee i'm a twitter employee no you need to be like i am a data analyst cybersecurity mobile developing software support engineer specialist this company just so happens to be contracting my time for a specific job or specific product. And in that mentality will enable you to weather some of these storms because you'll either a make a network outside of the company, just in case something happens. B you're saving up money. You're creating a nest egg just in case a company do does decide to slick cyclically uh, lay off a bunch of people. You are better prepared for the best that comes Versus you just saying like these old school, you know, these baby boomers used to go, okay, once I get this job at this car manufacturing plant, 
That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm working here for 30 years and I'm retiring. You cannot take that same mm-hmm. attitude into working with tech. Yeah. And an Uber example of that is like culture in Japan where you get a job and you literally you start that job when you're very young and you leave that job when you are no longer going to work after that. You, you literally are there for life. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's been, it's ever been like that here in the United States, but it's been close to it. It's like, you know, um, you know, I'm in the Midwest where we've got all these steel mills and, uh, or I should say we used to have all these steel mills and car companies, you know, car plants, GM, Ford, uh, Volvo. I mean, there's just a bunch of car companies here in the Midwest around where I live. And when I was coming out of high school, if you could get one of those jobs working at GM, you just kept that job. Because when, you know, in like in 90, when I graduated high school, you went into GM and you thought, oh, I can just work there forever at the Lordstown plant because my parents did. If it worked for them, why can't it? You know, that, that is a heck of a lifestyle to literally come out of high school, go into GM and work there forever. But if that's what you did, I, I personally have classmates that did that. And when GM went under, when the Lordstown plant closed, they're like, now what do I do? I've got to like move to Kentucky. I've got to move to South Carolina. I got to, I got to move to where these other plants are, or I've got to find another industry to get into. Um, things have changed. I, I have been in IT since 1995. Um, I've been a hiring manager. Um, most of that time, I think I, I actually became a, you know, you know, a manager that actually had the opportunity to hire and fire people around 99. So I did that for, you know, 20 some odd years. And it used to pain me to say this, but in IT, uh, especially when you're on the lower end of it, you know, you're just kind of getting into it. You're, fr- you're fresh out of college or you're fresh off of, you know, you took a, a boot camp and you learned how to do something. Um, and you've got a skill set that somebody's willing to pay you well for, as you're saying, you can't think that that job's going to be there for you for 20, 30, 40 years. You need to be thinking about, um, in, you know, in 24 months, what can I do to significantly increase my, uh, you know, my salary and potentially move somewhere else? Because hiring managers or, today, go ahead. Or it ain't got to be just salary. You know, Saray puts it in here well. She said, I think. It has to be whether a company and my goals are in alignment. Mm-hmm. So that's how we benefit each other. Right. If we're in alignment, sure, we'll roll with it. But as soon as the company's goals, the company's benefits, the company's mission, the vision, or your salary as it relates to this company isn't in alignment, you got to be thinking, all right, what's my other options? You know, for the longest, uh, people have just grinned and bared it. You know, I'm a ride or die. You know, I'm a hang in there, tough times, good times, things of that nature. These companies ain't got, they ain't no love. You know, how's it, uh, how's the, how does Chris Brown say the, the, these, uh, companies ain't loyal? I gotta hmm. find a better way to say it, but, uh, yeah, these companies ain't loyal. So you shouldn't be either. So, man, like, you know, just to, just to wrap this up and we, we're going to get to a, a spotlight here in a second. It's like, I just want to, you know, folks that are like, I see all these people getting laid off. You know, should I, should I do this? Yes. It is the fastest growing industry well, in the world. Yes. You should go into tech. You should. Well, you should have a plan to go into tech. Just don't be like, I'm going to show up in tech. <laughs> I think some people yeah. feel like I'm just going to show up in tech. No, there's a, you have to be specific. Yeah. You have to have a plan. You have to have a goal. You have to have a, um, what's the word? Um, uh, a hierarchy of steps you need to take, whether it be community college, whether it be certificates, maybe be, whether it be going back to school, whether it be a boot camp. you need to set out a plan. I think a lot of people just say, Oh, 
uh, I just need to get into tech. And then they go on Twitter and do a search on how to get into tech. (laughs) Um, I say this about a lot of stuff. Getting into tech is not easy, but it's simple. You know, there are multiple steps, but it ain't like 89 steps. It's like, you know, go learn this. You're probably going to work somewhere that isn't paying you that great when you, you know, for that first job, <laughs> but you learn how to, you know, you kind of learn on the job. You know, you're working for a, uh, like a nonprofit or something like that. You know, you may even have to do some volunteer work or something like that just so you can say, I've got experience doing X, Y, and Z. So yeah, there's a lot of folks who think, Oh, I'm just going to go take this boot camp. And then when I get done with the boot camp, I'm automatically going to walk into a $120,000 a year job. Sometimes maybe depending on who you are, what you did before you took that boot camp. Um, but I don't want to paint that picture for everybody. Uh, you, you know, you may have to grind and hustle, but it is, it is definitely something that, like I said, if, you know, it, it is, I love tech. It is, it has rewarded me well. And I think that, you know, like this next generation coming up, it'll reward you well as, you know, you know, as well, if you decide to get into it. So as I said, we do have a spotlight this week. Um, we're going to be talking about John. W. Thompson. Um, John Wendell Thompson is an American technology executive who was the chair of Microsoft from 2014 until June 2021 and has served as the chair of Illumina since 2021. He is former chief executive of Virtual Instruments, a vice president at IBM, and the former chief executive of Symantec. Born at Fort Dix, New Jersey, Thompson attended John F. Kennedy High School in Riviera Beach, Florida, now Suncoast Community High School. He received his bachelor's of business administration from Florida A&M in 71 and an MBA from MIT Sloan School of Management in 1983. Thompson began his tech career with 28-year stint at IBM, which included senior executive positions in sales, marketing, and software development. And lastly, as general manager of IBM Americas, as well as membership in the company's Worldwide Management Council. In 1999, Mr. Thompson became CEO of Symantec and in 2002 was appointed to the National Infrastructure Advisory Committee, which makes recommendations regarding security of the critical infrastructure of the United States. After retiring as CEO of Symantec in 2009, Thompson in 2010 was recognized for his commitment to education in Silicon Valley at the Silicon Valley Education Foundation's 2010 Pioneers and Purpose event. He received the Pioneer Business Leader Award, which is awarded to individuals who have achieved outstanding accomplishments in business and education. Thompson joined Microsoft's board in 2012 and in February 4th, on February 4th, 2014, was appointed as chairman of Microsoft, succeeding Bill Gates on the same day that Satya Nadella replaced Steve Ballmer as Microsoft CEO. Thompson said that he joined the board because he had admired Microsoft for many, many, many years and considered Microsoft to be one of the true iconic companies in our country. So this is John W. Thompson. Now, I remember first hearing about him when he became the CEO of Symantec because that was a big deal. It's like, you know, bro became um, a uh, CEO of one of the biggest, you know, most, you know, well-known, respected uh, tech companies out there. And he also, that was around the time, um, you know, he, he was really getting into uh, Barack Obama when he was running um, into his campaign. I mean, he was really into the campaign. At one point, I think that he was even considered for like the, uh, you know, the Commerce Secretary or something like that. So, uh, you know, he's done a lot. Um, he's been around for a while. And once again, it's like, you know, this brother's probably only, this, you know, is early to mid seventies. Um, and he's still out here doing what he's doing. So yeah, this is another uh, spotlight that we wanted to talk about. And I don't know how we missed this one. It's like somebody who was, you know, the chair of, uh, of Microsoft. We haven't had them yet. It took us a year to get to him. Yep. Shout out to him. Still, like I say, still out here doing stuff too. 
st- still doing stuff. Like I said, he is currently the chair uh, of, let's see, what's the company? Illumina. Al- um, he's yeah, been that he since also, 2021. Uh, he also is a venture partner at Lightspeed Venture Partners. Uh, looks like they're doing something over there too. So giving back as well. But yeah, I remember that he was, uh, and this is like, this is back in the day, but he was on, I think he was one of the 10 highest paid CEOs in the world at one point at Symantec. So brother, I mean, he, he, he was making big, he was making, uh, I think it was just south of a hundred million dollars a year. I think he had like a $78 million a year salary or something like that, plus bonuses. So, you know, mm-hmm. you think about that. You actually go to a job and can make a hundred million dollars doing the job, not, you know, not selling stuff and, you know, buying stuff. He actually had a job. That's what they paid him. Clearly that's stock options and bonuses and all that kind of stuff, but that's a lot of money to make. So, uh, John W. Thompson. So also we have a new patron this week. So I want to shout out to Kimberly Smith Adesina. Um, last name is Smith Adesina. It's hyphenated. So she became a patron actually earlier today. So wanted to uh, make sure I checked this to make sure if we got anybody new. So wanted to give her her flowers and thank you for supporting the Tech John. And anyone else who would like to support the Tech John, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John. That's the Tech J-A-W-N. Sign up for any of our tiers over there and you as well will get a shout out on the show after you do so. Well, we thank you kindly. So, Brother Tech, that's a show, man. That think is it. Yep, yep. Think it's time for us to uh, let folks know how they can get at you. Yep, you can find me on the interwebs at Brother Tech, that's B R O T H A T E C H. And actually, I did a story over on uh, PC Mag. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Apple is going to be dragged, kicking and screaming into uh, adopting USB C as their port for the iPhones. For right now, they got the Lightning port, but uh, EU has said that's got to change. So by the end of 2024 apple's got to go USB-C. so i wrote a nice little story in pc mag on what to do to prepare for a USB-C iphone so definitely check me out on pc mag just do a search for my name terrence Gaines, and all my stories should come up there so definitely check that out show me some love what's your take will it be the next iphone or the one after that it's USB-C. <sighs> that is a good question um, the rumor was this iPhone, the 14, was supposed to be USB-C. So, of course, the analysts, you know, they're they're not always right. But if there were rumors that the iPhone was supposed to be the USB-C this year, typically how Apple runs is the following year is when it actually happens. So you could make a safe bet to say the iPhone 15 will be USB-C. But the way the cycles run, Apple's got at least until the iPhone 16 to be USB-C. But you can make a safe bet, safe bet that next year in September, you'll be switching all your lightning cables out for USB-C. So I will say this about Apple. Um, I just saw someone who got the new um, the new iPad. Mm-hmm. The little dongle you've got to use for the pen that's just stupid. It's ridiculous. It's stu- it's, it that was, is so stupid. Why, why would the they first do that? One, this, the first one was stupid so that they actually have to switch it out for another one is equally as stupid. But again, that just goes to show that Apple's got to do something because having a iPad with USB-C 
but the main, not the main, the highlighted tool that you use to create on an iPad, you can't even charge it without an adapter. And I don't think that's Apple just being like, oh, we can sell this $10 adapter and make more money. I just think they're in the process of transitioning everything over to USB-C and the Apple Pencil just ain't high on their list right now because we got to worry about this iPhone yeah. to make it USB-C. But I'm just thinking that thing is going to be so easy to lose. So easy to lose. <laughs> right. But anyway, um, I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at The Tech John on all, all the things. So The Tech, J-A-W-N, pretty much everywhere on social media. So come holler us there. But until we meet again in a week's time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Peace. Peace.